0: As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church.
1: Jody and I started giving back to the local church back in 1990. And we had just become Christians, we had been married for about a year, and we never gave anything to the church prior. Our story was, we became tippers, then tithers, then trustees. And so for those, I'm getting a slight chuckle out of the tippers comment, but for those that... To understand tippers, it was like when the bag came by at the end of the service with how they did at the church we used to go to. And we had just become Christians. We were both in the business world. I'd throw a 20 in. I'd throw a 50 in if the service was good and the preacher did a good job. <laughs> and then we became tithers, which simply means that you give a biblical percentage back of all of your income. And i never forget, Mike Singletary is the one. Remember him? Bears fame. He went to the same church and he locked eyes on me and he shared his testimony. I felt like it was coming right at me. And he said, well, I give back, we give back, my family and I, 10% of our income. And the rest of us were sitting there like, whoa, because we had just recognized the million, multi-million dollar contract he had just signed. And I was like, really? And then we became trustees. And trustees do this. They recognize that it's not just the 10% that got on, it's the 90% and that God owns everything. Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord and everything in it. And, and then so we began to look at all of our resources and everything that we had and, and recognize that whether it's the house or the kids or that car that won't start, that that God owns it all. And and so we became more generous in each year praying through well, what can we do and how can we do can we be, give back to God's kingdom? And, and that's kind of how we do it today. That journey for us, it took, I'm ashamed to say, six to eight, maybe 10 years for us to go from tippers to tithers to, to trustees. And, and I wouldn't say I have it mastered. We're still growing it. Jody has much more faith than me, but that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about your story and and where God has you because I think that we oftentimes don't recognize that this topic, and I can already sense some backing away, and I can already see that some of you have logged off. (laughs) But if you stick with me, you can see and you can understand that I think what happens, if you've ever been to the gym and you see that guy training his biceps, and he's training his chest, and then the guy never gets to his legs. Do we have that picture, guys? Can we put that picture? He never gets to his legs, and, and what happens, he's got these little skinny little legs, and, and, and these little skinny little legs, and, and the upper body's checked off, and the lower body, it's great, and just a friendly reminder, don't skip your leg days. And I think a lot of Christians are skipping the legs and you think you're standing strong and I'm just here to tell you generosity in your time and your talent. And yes, we're going to teach the whole counsel of God's word in your treasure. It leads not like this, but to a strong Christian, to a kingdom builder, And so open your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. We're going to jump right in. We've got a lot to cover today. You're going to hit you with a lot of scripture, not just this parable. If you're joining us, we're thankful for you being here and thankful for those online. We're in a series, Kingdom Builders. That's what we want to become. We want to become Kingdom Builders. And it's a never-ending job. It's never finished, this side of eternity. And we all play a part. Jesus said this in Luke 16, verse one. He is the Jesus. He also said to his disciples, and so his disciples are his followers. He had an important message for them, just like I have an important message for you. He wants them to get it, so he uses a story to drill down deep. Interesting in verse 14, you see the Pharisees are also listening, and they got some questions because they ain't doing it right either. They're not doing it out of the right heart. And Jesus says to his disciples in verse one, there was a rich man and he had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and he said, what is it that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. Are you getting the picture? This is called, he got his pink slip. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do. So when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summing his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. He said, well, take your bill and, and sit on it. And quickly write 50. <laughs> then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred treasures of wheat. And, and he said, to him, take your bill and write 80. Then look at verse 18, 8. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. We're coming back to that. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves, Jesus says, by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails that they may receive you into your eternal dwellings. That's a head scratcher. We'll come back to that too. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you've not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is in others, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Father, use your word to challenge me. Use your word to challenge us. Use your word to, to change our hearts and build your kingdom and, and to create the kind of men and women that you desire, the generous people that are willing to give their time. Thank you for so many that are doing that here and give their talents. God, thank you so much. And God, I wanna thank you for those who are using their treasure to build your kingdom. Help us to grow in this, I pray in Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. Has the shock worn off? Talking about generosity. Ushers are locking the doors right now. You can't leave. That's the way we do it around here. Message in one sentence. Simply goes like this. When I leverage my treasure as a kingdom builder, I work diligently, I think creatively, I influence eternally, and I give generously. That's... One sentence to summarize Jesus' parable. Let's dig in. First, I work diligently. Question: Was this guy who the story is told about, he's the manager, he's the steward of the master's resources. Was he working diligently? Let's vote. How many people would say yes? Raise your hand. Very good. How many people I saw you online. What are you crazy? Are you not listening? How many would say, no, he wasn't working diligent? Well, he wasn't. And he wasn't because verse 2 said, or verse 1 at the end of verse 1 says that charges were brought against him that he was wasting his possessions. Immediate application: God has given you certain things. Are you wasting them on yourself? In this story, that in this context, the, the person who was managing the master's resources. He was living off the master. That's how they did it back like then. Imagine he had his own little condo, and he, he, was, he was living off his riches. And, and so we're living off his riches, and he's saying, are you wasting the possessions? So this guy was. We don't know exactly what he was doing or what he was buying or how he was spending it or what was happening in that situation. All we know is that he got canned. And so he comes up with an idea. We'll get to that in a moment. It was actually really creative. But first, let's just deal with this work hard situation and work diligently situation. Are you a hard and diligent worker? I wonder how your boss would rate you. One to five. I wonder what the people around you that you work with would say. One to five. We're certainly in a different culture and a context today, and the work environment has changed I looked over at my daughter, and I'm like, she's in her PJs, and she's online. I'm like, you're at work? She's like, yeah, I'm working. And I'm not coming against that. All I'm saying is this. I wanted to put something in the microwave. She's saying, don't, don't, don't make noise. But I remember my first job, and I remember um, it was when I was in high school, and I worked for the road department, Kirtland, Ohio. My job was to fill holes so that you would thrive safely and not have one of those... Problems, and and I'll never forget the first day. And they emptied the truckload of asphalt, and our job was to shovel it into the holes. Pretty simple, right? And so I was just like, I was shoveling it and running over to this hole and patting it down, and then I would get another shovel full, and I'd run over to this hole and pat it down. There's three guys standing there, city workers, (laughs) leaning on their shovel, like, and Pat. Never forget him. Just the friendliest, the nicest, the oldest guy in the crew, the head of the crew. He said, hey there, son. He said, slow down. You're making us look bad. And then he said, plus, this load's got to last us till lunch. He was seven in the morning. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? And so I got on board, and I'm leaning on the shovel, and we're eating donuts, and we're having fun. And then all of a sudden, this Lincoln Continental drives by, and I see all the other guys, Pat included, and they're all running and scurrying. I'm just like, what's up? Come on. And I'm leaning on the shovel. Well, the Lincoln Continental belonged to Butch Bridgeford, Bud Bridgeford. He was the city manager. He was the boss. Nobody told me. And so who was the one that looked like he wasn't working diligently? It was me. So again, I'm using a funny story to say, hey, I was... You know, I, I grew up in a home, Midwest, work ethic. Man, yes, are you working diligently for the kingdom? And remember Colossians chapter three, it says this, that, that we're not working for Bud Bridgeford or Colossians chapter three. It's not saying that we're working for Bud Bridgeford or anyone else. Colossians chapter three, <laughs> it says, um, there we go. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. It isn't that you're working for that girl or that guy it isn't that you're working for that person in the corner office knowing that from the lord you'll receive an inheritance and you're serving the lord jesus christ when you put your time in and i don't know who punches a time card maybe you do i remember when i did you're doing this you're serving the lord and he's the one that you're trying to please work diligently that's the first thing we see in this parable second thing is this that we're to think creatively. And this is where the parable gets very interesting that Jesus teaches, because this guy comes up with an ingenious idea, and his idea is, he summons the master's debtors one by one, and he says, how much did you owe, 100? And So he says, take your bill and write 50. How much did you owe of wheat? And he's like, take your bill and write down 80. And so what we see here is, we see this guy comes up with an idea How does the manager respond? Most of us think to ourselves, I should have done this. I should have told them, here's the box. Take the box to your office and empty it out. This is why big companies, they just give you the box and they say, get out right now, and you don't want, because they don't want you to rip them off anymore. But look what this manager does. He does this, he says in verse eight, The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Now, commended here literally means... Let's give an applause for the message today. Come on. Nobody's joining me. That's okay. I guess you think I'm a dishonest manager, but... That's what it means. It literally means that, no, don't join me. And and, and that's... So he's commending dishonest manager means impure in heart, literally unrighteous in heart. And so why was he unrighteous in heart? Well, because he was, he was a son of this world and not a son of light. And so the, he's commended for his shrewdness. If you double-click on this word, it's interesting. Circle it in your Bibles because it's only used here in the New Testament. The New Testament was written in a language called Koine Greek. It doesn't exist anymore. And this is the only time we see this word So when I see that, I kind of slow down. And it literally means to be wise in gaining an advantage. That's what it means to be shrewd. To be wise in gaining an advantage. An athlete is shrewd in how he looks at things and what he does in that he's going to play a person to his left or his right or he's going to run this play... they're shrewd. They think creatively. in how can I take advantage of a situation for a benefit? Now, this guy was looked at badly. Shrewdness isn't always bad because he was doing it for his own benefit. Not if you understand that. It was, do we get it in this section? This section, I always got to be just, just slow down for you. That, that it, it was like he was, t- he was using it for his own benefit and not the Lord. And and so not for another. And and so that's the problem. And so that's why he's compared, and this guy's saying this. Jesus is telling us a story. The sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own than, than the sons of light. Shrewdness, wisdom in seeking an advantage and gaining an advantage for God's glory and for the building of God's kingdom is commended. trying to get everybody on board it it is i remember when we got into this building right here the one we're in and some of you um remember this story um what happened was we were at a high school down the road from here we wanted to be on the corridor of we we narrowed it down we felt like god was leading us to in between i-355 and route 59 so we looked at properties all along this corridor we made an offer on a building that's right across the street from here that my office faces and I look at every day. And that building, what wound up happening was, is the city of Naperville met with us and they didn't want us on the north side of Wheaton in this corridor. And they actually, the mayor at that time, who was a Christian, was like, well, go down south of 95th and south of 277th. I'm just kidding. Like, it's, they were pushing us ways. And we're like, well, our people don't come from there. And so he's like, well, I, I don't think it's going to work out. And so we put an offer on this building that is across the street that I look at through my window. And the city actually told the owners of the building who are out of Dallas, they colluded with them. It was actually illegal. And they said they'd never get the zoning. We'll never let them use that building. And they, they got out of the deal. So it fell away. And so I look at that building always now, and I think God's always got something better. better. does and so so I'm standing in the parking lot of this building. It didn't even have a for sale sign, but we found out later that it went through foreclosure with a very shrewd business person in our church. And and so we looked into this building, and so we thought to ourselves, we're not going to make the same mistake. So we began to meet with each city council member this business guy did, business pastor at our church, and and he's like, I'm going to get an advantage so the reason we found out, and oftentimes you got to dig a little bit, we found out the reason they wouldn't want us here was because this corridor, which it's kind of crazy to think about it now, but the original vision for Naperville was that this was going to become like the Midwest version of Silicon Valley. And some of you may remember Tel Labs and, and, and some of the companies that, that were here in this area. And they're like, we're, that's what we want to see here in North Naperville. And, and then it never happened. And so this business pastor of ours went to all the city council members with a PowerPoint presentation and wined them and dined them. And what he did is he said, that was a great vision, but look at all the vacancy signs. And he did his homework and he showed the vacancy, the vacancy, the vacancy, where nobody's moving into this area. And then he said to them, and you know what the city did? You guys allowed places like DeVry and U of I and other educational facilities into this area. So that's not the original vision. And then he went a step further and he pressed in the meetings and he said, and I was at a couple of them, and he said, he said and you know what? So now it's okay to have educational institutions, but, but you'll say no to a church, which is, by definition, an educational institution, and in that we want to help people. And then it, it was like, whoa. And so we went to the vote and we won the vote, 9 0. All the people agreed, that, and they let us into the facility, and it was a result of the shrewdness of this business pastor. As I stand here today thanking him, I would have never been able to do that. That was thinking that was very shrewd. So much so that during the vote, we had 300 people. We took buses, packed them into um, the city council chambers. And, and, and when we won, everybody cheered. And the mayor, Mayor Pradle back then, he, he looked at everybody and he said, he said, this is the most people we've ever had in this chambers for such a long time. And, and he goes, let's take an offering. And we're like. <laughs> so he was shrewd. He was taking advantage of a situation in wisdom for the benefit of another. And so shrewdness is rewarded. So all that to say, how can you be shrewd in your dealings to build God's kingdom with your time and your talents and and, and your treasure? And so we gotta think creatively. Next, I love this part, we've gotta influence eternally. And so in a moment, we're going to dig into the scriptures. What does it mean to influence eternity? Well, I remember, and I'm old enough to remember back in the 80s, that um, I remember during the Coke Wars, there was a guy by the name of John Scully who was the CEO. Anybody old enough to remember any of this? Oh, gosh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and John Scully was the CEO of Pepsi, and so he was making a run at Coke, and 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 then... Remember Steve Jobs? Everybody knows that name. And then he wanted John Scully to run Apple. So the famous line I've always remembered is that supposedly he met with John Scully, who was the CEO of, a, of, a, of Pepsi, and he gave him this line, and he said, hey, hey do you want to just keep making sugar water for the rest of your life, or do you want to come with me and change the world? <laughs> I mean, seriously, think about that change the world well john scully left and we won't get into that whole story but but i think we shortchange ourselves in that kingdom builders i'm not asking you to change the world i'm asking you to change heaven are you hearing what i'm saying we invest eternally we can change what heaven looks like We have an opportunity in this life to influence. And some of us, you know what, man, my job isn't fulfilling. I'm doing this or I'm flipping burgers or I'm pumping gas or this didn't work out. I didn't get the promotion. Hey, can you stop for a moment? God's given you that opportunity to influence people for eternity. Everybody wants to be an influencer these days. I want to be an influencer on social media. They pay you to do that. Everybody wants to be an influencer. I want us to be eternal influencers that's what this series is about and so we're going to get into some teaching of how do you become an eternal influencer so we're going to take these four verses slow down look at your bibles it's coming from there first thing is this eternal influencers invest their resources to win people to christ first read verse nine it's a hermeneutical headache honestly what is he talking about Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Oh, money's bad so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwelling. What? That's what he's saying. He's saying make friends, develop relationships by means of unrighteous wealth. Make it righteous by doing what? But by when it fails, that there's other people that are going to receive you into heaven. What does that mean? Let me give you an example. Yesterday, Several families filled our worship center in uh, Romeoville because we did um, Thanksgiving for uh, Stateville families. So are you understanding? We're in Stateville. We have a location there. We have a campus there. We preach there every week. We have a pastor there. And so the families of the people that are there, we invited them to an event for Thanksgiving. And we served them and we helped them and we shared the gospel. And guess what happened? Four people came to Christ. Can we praise God for his goodness and his grace? And so that two of the people were daughters of someone who was in prison. Another couple, it was their son. And so follow the bouncing ball. Your influence in giving, your giving back to this church, you played a part in the event that happened yesterday you'll never meet those people that came to Christ you'll never probably see those people I wouldn't recognize them if they walked in right now but they're going to be the welcome wagon in heaven when you get there and they're going to be thank you very much that's verse 9 that, that make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth that when it fails that the people that have been won to Christ will receive you into heaven that that's the great cloud of witnesses. That I'm going to be an internal investor. That I'm going to put my resources in leveraging them to win people to Jesus. Second thing, good stuff. That's why we got to slow down and understand what the text says. Eternal influencers know that faithfulness builds credibility and trust. Faithfulness does. And that's what it says. He's faithful in a little is also faithful in much. I'm just telling you it is. Why? Because faithfulness builds credibility. faithfulness builds trust. Faithfulness opens up opportunity. We've got to be faithful with what God's given to us. He's given everything to you on consignment. You own nothing. There's nothing more than when you have a child and you hold that kid in your arms. And I'm telling you, the emotions, and as you look into that kid's eyes, and then they grow up and, and they and then they get a, their driver's license and you give them the keys to the car and you're like, oh God, help me. And you don't own that kid. You've been given that child on consignment for a season to do what you can to influence them for God's glory. You're faithful in the little things and the big things. And so faithfulness in character and it builds credibility and trust in building God's kingdom. Next thing is this, verse 11. Eternal influencers steward earthly wealth, this is very important, to generate spiritual health. We obviously didn't get the updates. Wealth and health. And so what I mean by that is that spiritual health, growth, it's my illustration at the beginning with the guy with the big biceps and the big chest and the little skinny legs. That, that what? God wants to use this to grow you in maturity. Who's gonna entrust you with the true riches? What are the true riches? The true riches are the blessing of wealth and the blessing of health, spiritual maturity that we get as we're faithful. If you double-click on this word, entrust, it literally means that God wants to put some things into the palm of your hand. Those that are faithful. Next. Eternal influencers, they recognize that what they have is not their own. It's just not. And so, look what it says, in that which is in others. If you have not been faithful in that which is in others, it's a reference that it's not yours. Again, what you've been given is on consignment. It isn't yours. And so that's why we can be generous, and that's why we've got to develop a mindset of generosity and stewardship. I want to take a moment, and I want to introduce a friend of mine. His name is Tim. I asked him to do a selfie video on Friday, and he's a guy that used to be a swimmer at Wheaton College, and that was when we started the church. And now he's an investment money manager. He helps people on this topic. Let's learn from him. Take a look at the screen.
0: Hey, High Point family. My name is Tim Meisenheimer. My wife, Jen, and I have been coming to High Point for the last 21 years. And we currently attend High Point Hinsdale with our four kids. And it's been at this church that we have had some amazing opportunities to help build the kingdom. And today, as we're talking about our treasure and where our treasure is and how we manage God's resources, uh, it reminds me of 16 years ago when our church met in a high school every weekend. And we were a part of the team that would set up each weekend three hours before the service started. And man, it was a ton of work. And we desired a physical permanent location for our church. So we were given the opportunity to give and to exercise generosity to step out in faith and be a part of building God's kingdom in Naperville and the surrounding communities. And now 16 years later, whatever location you're at, you see the fruit of that investment. And we are blown away by that. Not only the work that God is doing, but also in our own lives. For, for, for me and Jen, thinking about uh, how we stepped out in faith as early high school teachers and we decided to give over and above our regular giving and do that for a period of time, we saw God show up. And here's a couple things we learned along the way that I just wanted to share with you today. Uh, Number one is God owns it all. Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That's you and me. That's our stuff. That's everything. So God owns it all. So, as we look at whether it's our giving or our spending or our saving, everything we do with God's resources, how we manage those, that is worship and that reflects our heart. So, if you think about the definition of stewardship, manage, how we manage God's resources, it's all His. We're just steward means manager. That's it. How we manage God's resources. Number two is being a part of something like this allowed us to exercise. our our muscle of generosity. And generosity is a muscle that you have to flex. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't want it to atrophy, and I want it to keep growing stronger and stronger. Why are we generous? We're generous because we serve a generous God who gave up his son for us. So as you listen to your location pastor today, talk about the limitless journey that we're on as a church Talk about what God's word says about how we steward and how we manage our treasure. Keep in mind this. This is always a good reminder for me. Number one, God owns it all. He's not asking for our money. He doesn't need our money, but he wants our heart. He said very specifically, Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount, you cannot serve both God and money. He chose those two things because he knew those would have a battle over our hearts. So be set free today, by that bondage and exercising your muscle of generosity and I just want to share that with you today and how that's been impactful for me and I hope it's a great Sunday.
1: Good testimony. Let's praise God for his goodness. I want to leverage my I want to leverage my treasure by doing what? By working diligently, by thinking creatively, by investing eternally. And then lastly, by giving graciously. And so I wanna do all the application right now. It's coming fast. These are the scriptures that I've learned in my own journey that Jody and I have learned, and we've put this together and seen God bless it. Because you can't outgive God. Boy, I thought that'd be a good place for an amen. Can't outgive God, you just can't. So, what does the Bible say about how we become generous? generous givers and generous stewards just like Tim said well the end of the text says that nobody can serve two masters and so it's no different than me I can't walk down this path here at the same time I'm walking down that path I can't go down this aisle I got to choose which aisle and the difference in this illustration they don't lead to the same place that, that what? To give generously. I can't serve two masters just like I can't walk in two different directions at the same time. So how? Warned you, coming quick. Here it is. Five steps to giving generously as a kingdom builder. And so just think to yourself how you're doing. Give regularly and proportionately. So regularly. On the first day of the week, it says in First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. Each one should set aside a amount of money in keeping with your income. So I regularly give and I proportionately give. That's the first thing. Second step: give generously and sacrificially. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, that's the generously part. And then beyond their means, is the sacrificially. So I give generously. I give sacrificially. I give third. I give, third step, prayerfully, willingly, and cheerfully. Helpful information today? Prayerfully means each one must give as he's decided in his own heart. And so I think what happens a lot of times for us is that we have developed this muscle of generosity And we give regularly and somewhat proportionately, but what kind of happens at times is we can give back an amount that isn't necessarily sacrificial. And what I mean by that is, I think we do good in giving in order, but are we giving in priority? So the order of our giving, I give in the first of the month. I give it the, the orders there, But the priority, are you giving in priority? And some of us, it's about giving to what? It's about giving to the house for the mortgage. It's about giving to the kids for their education. It's about giving to savings. And so it's giving the amount in order, but not necessarily in priority. And this is saying that not only order and priority, you need to prayerfully and willingly and cheerfully give because God loves a cheerful giver. Love the fact that we're a Bible church. Let's just hit the scriptures hard. Look at the next verse. Give faithfully, and I chose the word radically, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So now finish doing it as well so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. So much in here. Speaks so much to our own situation today with the economics of our world and of our country. So finish doing it well. Hey, I plan to give an amount at the beginning of the year and I've been doing it. I need to catch up at the end of the year, but hold on, my stored resources or my assets or my 401k is down 30%. Some of us, 35%. And so we start asking ourselves, I didn't know that back then. And then we start holding on. And what he's saying is finish what you started. That when you decided and were ready prior, that the desiring is matched by your completing it, that you will persevere. And I don't know about you, but I've learned that as you trust God and you trust him with those things, he's faithful. Because I'll say it again, give you one more opportunity. Can't outgive God. You, you just can't do it. And I bet you, if I gave an opportunity for some people to come up and give a testimony, you could give a testimony of how you saw God meet a need. Hey, a long time ago, I got a finance degree. I started out in the business world, and yep, I got my investments going. And I just sometimes during seasons like this, I don't look. Anybody with me? I can't. It's depressing, and it's gonna cause me to to do something that I don't wanna do that I need to trust the Lord. Next is this. Lastly, we'll call the worship team up. So thankful for Bethany leading us today. Can we give her a round of applause in our worship team? We give expectantly, and we give thankfully. And so for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. That that I'm gonna give with the mindset that I'm gonna expect God to do something that I couldn't. That we collectively, that we are building God's kingdom. Let's take a look at all these steps. And so look at these steps and ask yourself, where do I need to grow as I step out in faith in this journey to build the kingdom with my time and my talents and my treasure? And what's God saying to you? What's the step of faith that you need to take in moving forward and going to the next level in the next step? And so I just want to have us sing together. I'm going to ask you to stand. And so we have a privilege. Let's stand together. We have the privilege and the opportunity of building God's kingdom. So let's focus on his kingdom even in this moment and the opportunities we have, Father, we're blessed with opportunities to to sacrifice our time and our talents and our treasure and our testimony for the building of your kingdom for your glory and Father I look forward to the day that when we gather in heaven that others will welcome us because of our generosity and our stewardship in creating opportunities for others to be one to Christ and so Lord I pray you'd use this message in each of our hearts to to not step back, but to step forward, to trust you and to lean on you. As your kingdom is amazing, your kingdom lives forever, and we have an opportunity right now to love people into your kingdom. We have an opportunity right now to sacrifice ourselves so that people can be one into your kingdom. We have an opportunity right now to give generously, to advance your kingdom in this world. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen.